What's up, gang? Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. I am here back in Michigan. As always, got to update my location, right? Because people care so much. They care so much about where I am. Of course they don't. But I got to tell you, because how else do you start this shit? Back from vacation. Uh, family vacations are fun, but stressful. I think it's probably, if anyone's an adult now with a family, when you're a kid, you're like, this is great. You don't have to do anything. You just eat ice cream all week and swim in a pool or a lake or whatever. As an adult, it's a little bit more involved. And, and I don't have to plan for like the kids and stuff. You know, I don't have kids. I, my sister does. I was on a family vacation with my immediate family two weeks ago, whatever. I was in Ohio a couple weeks ago. That was with like all my cousins uh, and their kids. This was just with my, my immediate family and my sister with her kids, obviously. My brother and his girlfriend, that kind of thing. It was fun. Nice. Just hot as shit. We're in Missouri, Branson, Missouri, and then uh, near Ozark Recreation Area stuff. Beautiful lakes. Pretty. Gorgeous. But hot as fuck. I mean, just so hot. Like 100 degrees every day. You know, 103, 104 with the heat index. Humid as hell. Just like, okay. Um, So glad to be back. I wasn't trading much last week for that reason. Only did... I think I did a couple trades early in the week, just nothing crazy. Just simple stuff like some Amazon. I think it's some Amazon calls, maybe some square puts. Nothing of note, you know, 20, 30% gainers. And then I did a lot of call, a lot of uh call on AMD on Friday and lost it all. It wasn't that much. It was only like a hundred bucks. I was just, you know, I was literally driving. I was driving, making the road trip back to Michigan and I was like, ah, screw it. And I just kind of got cocky and not even cocky. I kind of knew I was gambling, just wanted to do it anyways. And then was kind of annoyed at myself for doing it after the fact wasn't enough. And, and I say lotto to those that don't know the term lotto in the options trading world. Lotto just basically means if you're taking a, if you're buying a contract, that's lotto size. That essentially just means that it's a gamble and you know that, and you're only putting down what you're okay with losing all lotto size, right? You're buying a lotto ticket. You don't care what it costs. You know you're probably not going to win, but if you do, hey, it's pretty sweet. So did that on Friday, lost a few bucks, but whatever. Just kind of, of course, was a little bit annoyed at myself, but can't can't beat myself up over you know insignificant amounts of money. So, but kind of, re- I also forgot. Like as I was holding, I was like, I mean, I would just let this ride out, just because who cares? It's not enough money. I'll just ride it for a couple of days and see if it because it, it. I bought a call and then the, it went against me pretty quickly. So it was like, okay, this is this is sub 40. This is like a 40% loser already. So I might as well just like hold it. It's not enough money to care. Let's see if it goes, if it helps, if it not, not goes against me. But see if it goes in my favor over the next day or two. I'm like, oh yeah, shit, it's Friday. It expires today. <laughs> I don't have any. So it kind of like, yeah, whatever. But again, knowing the correct size to go. But anyway, back to, back to, uh, glad to be back home in Michigan for a couple of weeks. I'll be here till the beginning of August, then going back to, uh, to the West Coast for some stuff. And then going to get busy with travel again. So I'm trying to really focus on doing my, you know, being really good about day trading every day for the next rest of July, really. And then I'll, I will try to be really good about it in August. I just already know. Uh, I don't know how often I'm going to be getting up at 5 a.m. on the West Coast, but I just need to suck it up and do it. You know, all the other guys do it. A lot of my colleagues and people I look up to are mentors, if you will, and friends all live on the you know West Coast and trade, and they get it done. So it's like, all right, no excuses, although I will still have some excuses, because I'll be doing comedy, I'm doing stand-up, and hanging out at the club. So it's like, hey, man, I'll be going to bed early all the time. But anyways, I digress. So 
uh, excited to be back focusing on because again when I'm traveling it's not like I like family vacations but I travel so much on my own that when I have to travel in a group that's what stresses me out that's the thing and like you don't have a lot of alone time on a family vacation obviously like you can't and if you do go do something I know you kind of look like a dick where it's like oh where's Holly like oh he's in the he's in the basement doing stuff and it's like oh okay um and so it's like you can't really you know even like reading a book, I was trying to finish a book. Every time I felt like I was reading a book, I felt like I was being a dick. Or I'm like, I'm going to go out front or in the back or go in this, you know, back in my room and just read for a while. You know, it's, you kind of feel like a douchebag. Oh, excuse me. Even though it was like, it was just so hot. It was good to do indoor activities. Anyways, glad to be back home, chilling and uh, on my own schedule as my phone is blowing up right now. This is insane. Why is why why? It's a weekend, folks. It's a weekend. Let's chill. Let's all just hang out. Watch Netflix. Maybe the maybe the Euro Cup. Maybe let's watch the women's Euro Cup. That's been fun. I've been watching that a little bit. That's one of the few women's sports that I enjoy watching. No knock against women's sports, but kind of, I guess. <laughs> but like women's soccer and tennis are really good. Really entertaining to watch. I'm very aware that every WNBA player could school me in one on one. Very aware of that. I have zero interest in watching a game. I'm sorry. I wish you the best. But women's tennis and soccer, really fun. Because it's like, of course they can all beat me at the sport. I know that. But what's really great about it is like, it's kind of chaos. Not with tennis as much, but with soccer it is. Because like, women just aren't as big as men. They're just not. So you see like these women, the keepers, the goalkeepers. And like, who's this little kid in the goal? You're like, oh, I'm used to watching... The men's game where these guys are huge, you know, every goalkeeper in the men's game is like 6'2", 6'3", at least. I mean, usually they're all taller than that. And so, um, God, why? Okay, again, sorry, I get distracted by my phone right now. Um, but yeah, it's fun to watch that because you'll see like all these longer range shots will go in on the women's game because the keepers just can't get to them in time. They're not big enough to like reach over and make, the, you know, the goal is still the same size for the women's game, obviously. The pitch is still the same. So with the smaller bodies and less strength, it kind of makes it a little more exciting. Um, and it's just fun. It's good. So I don't know why I was saying that, uh, <laughs> why I went on that little tangent, but there we go. That'll be, uh, plus, hey, soccer and tennis are good sports to like do other things to, right? Like it's a good to like have it on the background while you day trade. Right, a little distraction, so you're not just like looking at the candles all the time and be like, ah, go up for the love of God. <laughs> um, hey, you know, whatever works for you, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever gets you in the right mental state to trade. I know Jake Ricci, aka Rake Trades, is a big proponent of that. And I'm seeing that a lot more. Like, I know PJ Matlock was doing a Q and A this weekend on his Instagram, and I was reading through all of his responses because they were really good and really. A lot of the stuff that he was saying was like talking about the psychology of day trading. And I'm learning more and more for a lot of these people that I follow and kind of like mentors that I have in this world. I kind of am seeing more and more how much the psychological stuff is important. Of course, that's technical analysis is, but even PJ Matlock on his, on his Q and a this weekend said that he thinks that getting, having your psychology down and having your mental game tight is better than technical analysis just kind of i mean great technical analysis is is 
important, but it's only good if you have the emotions to follow it, right? So he kind of is making a, a pretty valid point. You can study and have the charts right all day, but if you don't have your head on right to make the, the call when you need to and when to get out of stuff when you need to, then then or not to, right? Sometimes you do have to sit through it and and take that loss. Like, you know, my first 100-plus gain was last week. We talked about it. I talked about it because I recorded last week's episode before the market opened. And I kind of talked about it, the AMD swing from last week. Uh, kind of a nice play that worked out where like if I would have sold it, I mean, any time in those two days, it would have been down anywhere from like 5% down or break even to like 40%, 30% loss. Um, but since it was not a large enough size of money to where I wasn't stressing it, I was sticking to the, the strategy that I was playing and knowing I had time to go, like that wasn't going to expire. The contract still had, had legs. I had time to hold it and just, and have the stones to go through that because I'm not stressing about the size of the contract, right? How much money I'm putting down for the trade. Because you know if you're wrong, you could lose a lot of it or all of it. And so sizing your options trades and your contracts appropriately is super important for the psychology of it. If you find yourself getting too anxious or nervous about your trades, then you know you're scaling too much. You're putting too much in. And again, go back to kind of what I learned from PJ Matlock's Q&A this weekend or Friday, whatever it was. He kind of said that where he was like, hey, if you're if you're having a rough time with your emotions, pull the size back on the trades and then scale it up slowly. If you're too nervous, stop putting down a thousand or ten thousand over your account, you know, whatever your limit is. Your trades should be ten percent of what your account is. Never more than ten percent. I've heard that rule from multiple people. Of course, nothing's a solid rule, but that's a general good rule of thumb. Ten percent of the account per each trade. So if you do, if you do, the trade does go against you and you have proper stop loss, whether it's actually in there or mental, a mental stop loss, you're, you could take quite a few losing trades, but without blowing up the account, you know, you can kind of afford those, those losses to wait for a better gain. It, you know, so just lower the size of the trades and then scale back up slowly. Once you go back down to that smaller amount, don't okay, 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 don't go don't go like okay, I'm cool with 100 hour trades. And this is great. I'm I'm nailing these 100 hour trades or 500 hour trades. Don't go from that big. All right, cool. Now I'm going to do 5000 dollar trades. Like no, go from like 5 to 1000 to 1500 to 2000 to 25. Like you know, go up in increments. Like slowly scale up and manage your risk that way so you're not freaking out. And yeah, so that worked out nicely. The AMD trade ended up being 124% for my real account, did it up the same trade on paper and caught it a little earlier and scaled out a little slower and scaled out more. I had I bought more contracts on paper, which I probably shouldn't have looking back. I tried to paper trade like I real trade, but whatever. I guess I was being a cowboy that day. The paper trade ran up to like 275%. So it did better on that one. Um, and like many books, the one I'm reading now, The Psychology of Trading, they... That book states how it's like, like no matter how you approach it, you're going to always paper trade differently than you real trade. You're going to have different emotions with it. And it's the mental game of trading, not the psychology of trading. The, the book is The Mental Game of Trading by Jared Tendler. Um, great book for the psychology of trading. Getting through it. Haven't finished it. Good stuff. I'll add it to my library of options, trading, books. 
which again is being still compiled. I keep saying every week which books I'm reading. If people really want to know, again, I always tell you, I'll tell you what stuff to go in an order, but people don't really hit me up for that as much. They just go, will you trade for me? Or I need to do that. And then they just don't. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, what else we got coming up here? Google split coming up. Um, don't think that went into effect yet, but it should. Like what, Monday? Next week, I think for sure. Yeah, I didn't do the official split yet. But it will be. Um, yeah, and I'm excited for the Google split because I'm looking forward to trading that ticker more often on the option side. Again, we've talked about this in previous episodes. When stocks split, it's nice because it makes the options contracts more affordable. So I know you can buy partial shares and all that, but making the options... The derivatives market benefits heavily from these splits. So looking forward to that Google split because we can get more contracts on the options trade at cheaper prices. Doesn't mean they're any less risky. You can just put in less money. You don't have to, you can, it's a little easier to deal with. And then if you want to put in more, you can just add more contracts. Just kind of nice. So like that, looking into probably trading that a little bit more. Um, and again, kind of circling back to what we said about Friday to start the week. Uh, and learning why it's called Lotto Friday. You know, a lot of people take their gambles on Friday. And Fridays can be like a big day. or I mean, it can be one of those, just like Monday. Mondays and Fridays are weird days. You just never know what to expect. There's usually a lot of volume, especially on Fridays, whether it's to the sell side or the buying side. A lot of volume, so a good day to trade. But can be risky because um, if you're not, if you're just doing that week trade, you have, you have no days to expiration. It's zero DTE. You got to just hope it works out or else you're done. For that trade and there's a good approach uh rake trades jake ricci does i like this he did this a few weeks ago and he kind of does it often where he'll take profits from the the week he'll take maybe a thousand dollars profit from the week and instead of using bigger profits he'll only take a thousand profit and find a decent risk reward trade it might be a little more risky but it's a good risk reward trade and he'll take that on as a he'll take a lot of size on that trade that lot of size being the thousand dollars He's okay with losing that thousand because he still had a great week, even minus the thou. So he'll take that extra thou and not blow his account, still walk away from the week with money, but then use that thousand to make a pretty good gamble on a decent trade. So I dig that approach. And the times I've seen him do it, he'll end up taking like like one week he took that extra thousand and made like an extra seven grand on that Friday. It was crazy. So it's like and if you lose it, you're like, whatever, I still made great, a great week. And I think like this month he's up, man, the first like week he was up like 60 K. So it's crazy, but it's, it's smart to take that approach and, and kind of like, he also pulls profits out of his account all the time because if he sees it in his account, he finds himself being more risky because there's more money. He can be a little more lax with it. So he pulls it out on purpose to keep it at a certain level. Again, smart, smart tip, smart little trick, right? Um, and kind of just like, I keep talking about certain people, like, you know, we talk about like our discord counter trades. I talk about rake trades that discord. There's tons of them. Bueller buys. We talk about Bueller all the time using his courses. Uh, Garrity. I know Ryan Garrity now has his own discord, our golden goose boy from the counter trades group. So it's like, there's a lot of different people in this world and that's just the people that I'm plugged in with directly. But when you look at the whole fin twit, you know, the, the social media, Twitter, finance world, it's endless, really. 
and I kind of want to keep reiterating, like you don't need to follow everyone and everything. That's too much noise. Like find what works for you and who you like and lean into them. Same with strategies and like learning things. Just find what works for you and those and just kind of stick with it. Just kind of lean into that. Because you can't follow everyone and everything and absorb everything, right? It's just not, it's not doable. So don't do that. <laughs> and one thing that I have to do is kind of uh, being organized with your options trading. I've noticed is quite beneficial. I know a lot of folks that do a journal. I do that to write down why you took a trade, why it went against you, why it worked. What did you do wrong? What did you do right? It's just like stand up again, making comparisons to day trading options to stand up like always. It's a lot more. That's the thing, like good stand ups, just like good traders make it look a lot easier than it is. Right. But it's because of all that work and preparation that went into it for years that makes it look easy versus you know a, a rookie or something on both ends and so it's like with stand-up i record every set that i do i write down where i did it how long the set was and the set list so i can go back and go okay last time i was here i did these jokes it was this long let's maybe switch it up if i've been here recently let's add something new or just you know see what just i like doing that and if, and also on the when I go through my Google Drive at the end of the year, I can look through my sets and go, oh, wow, I didn't really challenge myself a lot this year. I didn't change up my act. I didn't try to do a lot of new jokes on some of these shows. So it's kind of just a way to like on the comedy side to kind of just judge yourself a little bit and kind of see where your progress is. And same with options trading, like write down the percentages, write down the money. How much are you spending? What are the size of the contracts? All that stuff. Um, is it overkill? Yeah, could could be. Some people could classify it as that. But to me, it's it's beneficial. If it adds value to your trading and to your learning process, then it's 100% worth it. So I think it's worth it. I do my notes. And I actually want to talk about this since this is a Sunday episode. Well, I'm going to release it on Sunday, recording it on Saturday. But I want to. I usually don't do weekend episodes. But again, because of traveling and vacation, I brought my podcast equipment. It's just I had no time and wasn't really focused enough on the market to and on what I wanted to talk about that week to, to do that podcast justice. So I just didn't do it doing it on week uh, a few days late over this, over the weekend. But because we're doing it on a weekend, I kind of wanted to talk about like, Hey, well, what do you, what do you do on a weekend since markets are closed? And I've started to really enjoy my weekends more and value them. Now that I focus so much more on day trading, where I actually feel like I have a weekend, like Fridays feel like Fridays for the first time in a long time. Right. I usually work weekends anyways, but if I have a week off and I'm just day trading and I have, I don't have to travel that weekend. I'm like, Oh man, this is great. I'm done. I can just like chill. I can enjoy my Saturday, Sunday. And so this is kind of how I approach week as I kind of wrote down like, like it's like four, like, let me see six steps. So first off I review the week. Um, so I'll go over the research that I had from the previous Sunday, the previous uh, Sunday evening going into that Monday I'll see what notes I took from that last week on that Sunday night review, see what was right, what was wrong, kind of like back check everything. I know traders do this all the time. So I'll do that. And then two, I'll go over the premium research I have access to for that next week. So tomorrow recording this one, this episode comes out on a Sunday. So on Sunday evening, I go, I, I review all the premium research I have access to, like I said, and, um, 
What I mean by that is simply the, the discords that I pay for or have access to. So I'll go over the research and the, the alerts that are that are being put up on Keanu Trades Discord. I go through the premium research for Rake Trades Discord. And then there's also some free stuff I go over. Uh, one of my favorites is the iTrade Price Weekly YouTube updates that are on Sunday nights. It's one of the guys from our Keanu Trades Discord. It's this this YouTube account is grossly underfollowed and underwatched. These are very good videos, very simple. And he f- breaks down really good tickers every week. It's like 15 to 20 minutes every Sunday night. Um, and what I like about it, he takes a lot of different stocks, a lot of popular ones that are popular for options trading, and then breaks down, like he breaks down overall markets, like SPY, uh, QQQ, like he kind of breaks down like the broader ones like that, you know, the S&P 500, and QQQ kind of follows the NASDAQ. So he breaks those down and then breaks down like Amazon, Nvidia, Tesla, AMD, Square, Google, Shopify, all those kind of like major popular day trading type options uh, stocks. And so what I like about that too is he starts out on large time frames to get an overall trend of where things are headed, overall market sentiment. And then from there, he goes to smaller time frames. And I'm talking about obviously Japanese candlesticks. So he'll go from like a weekly or a monthly or even a weekly or monthly tar- chart on like a year or two year or even three year time frame and see a big trends. And then he'll go into like the monthly, the weekly, the hourly. So you can kind of see on the smaller time frames where those trends are, where you can make trades in the shorter term, right? And that's free every week. I trade price, check out his YouTube. If you're having trouble, find it. Just send me a DM. I'll, I'll, I'll find you. I'll send you the right way. So going over that, I take notes on all three. On the Keanu Research, Rake Trades, and on iTrade Price. Take notes on all of those. Fun to see where the, they're similar and see if any outliers are different, right? But generally, they are kind of have similar information, but kind of said different ways. So like doing that. And then uh, after that... Um, I like to do, that's my Sunday, like my Sunday routine. Um, but also on the weekends, I like to focus on something that I might not know as well, like a new strategy or something technical an indicator I don't know as much about. So I've done that with the previous few weeks. We've talked about it on, on episodes. Like there was one weekend I focused on VWAP, volume weighted average price, how to trade all around that. What does that mean? How can I use that to my advantage? How can I, where... And also nothing is a, nothing is absolute. These are all just tools to make you a better trader. Nothing is a hard rule, just general rules and usually correct, right? So I did that with VWAP and EMAs one weekend. And then like last weekend, I focused on the BOBA strategy from BOBA trading, the supply, basically using supply and demand zones to uh, trade, which has been really helpful during choppy markets because you're not seeing a lot of clean price action. You're seeing insanely choppy price action. Um, so weekends are a great time to focus a new strategy where I'll spend like two days just going over that, you know, I'll spend like one, like on Saturday, I'll just watch the videos, read, read through any literature related to that strategy. And then Sunday start applying it, reviewing it, taking more notes, going into more detail. Uh, I also will do, I'll review previous YouTube sessions and notes and strategies I take. If I don't have a new strategy to learn, if there's not something new I'm focused on, I'll just go through previous YouTube sessions and strategies that I like. Review my notes. See, you know, just kind of just get it better in my head, right? So I'll do that. And then lastly, I check the economic the economic calendar to kind of get a rough idea of what days might be good for trading that week. 
Usually I, this is included in the earlier stuff I mentioned where I go over premium research. This economic calendar stuff's usually included in that anyways, but I'll just double check, see what's going on. Obviously if the Fed, you know, Fed Jerome Powell's talking, Fed chair, FOMC, if there's any kind of those, the Federal Open Market Committee, I believe that's what that stands for, when they're meeting, all that kind of stuff can be big, big moves for the market. So you want to know when they're going on. Those all to combine kind of gave me a better, make me feel better going into the week, right? I can go into Monday with a little more weapons in my belt than just kind of going in blind and being like, right, let me read the charts, which you still want to read the charts and see how price action goes. But doing this stuff on Sunday night can really give you a better idea for the week. And that's what I've noticed. Like you might not see, you could do that, all that research on Sunday and you might not see what you were looking for on Monday. Again, that's where patience comes in. The whole psychology stuff that we keep talking about plays into this stuff. And so you might not see what you want on Monday. You might not see what you want on Tuesday or Wednesday. But hey, come Thursday, it might hit the price you were looking for. And it might hit the breakout or the fall below, right? So I'm finding myself, especially on Mondays, don't force anything, right? On Fridays, know what you're getting into. You have zero days to expiration if you're doing a weekly contract for that week. So just little things like that, I'm starting to pick up on more and more, seeing how this can, I can use to my advantage. And then of course, passing this along to you guys, because I'm learning this all over the last, what, we're now into July. Damn, time moves fast. So my options journey, uh, you know, really officially started in January. Let's be honest. I was kind of like dabbling before that, but got real in January and got real, real in like February, right? And now we're just hitting the gas even harder every week. So Every week I'm trading more in my real account. I'm paper trading more in addition, studying more, trying to just finding myself being more hungry for more information, right? Almost feel like a young comedian again, going out to the open mics. But at least now I can make a few bucks and create a sustainable living than hearing clinically depressed people scream at me through their whiskey. I like open mics, still do them. We'll still enjoy them, but Jesus Christ, I went through some depressing ones in the Los Angeles comedy scene from 2009 until about, mm, what, 2018, 2019, maybe even around 2019. I stopped doing a lot of those though. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, all right, we're good on that. We've had enough. We've had enough of that. So that's kind of my, my weekend approach, if you will. And then kind of look at general investing notes from last week going into talk about this more and more where how we don't have like I'm not going to have like general like overall themes to overall themes but general like hey buy and invest in this at this price you can do that with with options a little bit more like calling out signals but as far as long-term investing I say time and time again like time doesn't matter you kind of just do it whenever because you have you have all the time in the world to make the money back if it goes down so in in long term it just wins we've said this time and time again um but just general investing notes as we go forward. If you're looking to, you know, you're not an options trader. You just kind of want to focus more on investing. Apple's looking better and better, right? Stock's strong. Keeps climbing. I wish I would have bought a little bit more when it was down sub 140. Looking stronger and stronger as it heads to 150. North of 150 should be a nice price action moving up. Um, and just kind of like news that that could be big catalyst for the stock. Apple is the, the Sunday NFL ticket rights are up next year not this season but for the next season and so i believe everyone's fighting for those rights and there's no way direct tv is going to win no cable company will get this bid they won't they don't have any money anymore and this will be like 
we're truly going to see the end of like cable pretty soon here because sports was the last thing they had that really that they really had and they're going to lose it to a streamer because no cable company even direct tv is going to pay this check for sunday nfl ticket um which if you don't know that's where you can get every nfl game out of market it's a few hundred dollars you have to at the current moment you have to have direct tv and pay like i mean i don't know what it is now but it was like 300 almost 400 bucks a, mo- a year not a month it's like 400 bucks a year i i think in addition to having direct tv had to pay that had to be had to have direct tv and then pay that on top of it so crazy money but the leading bidder apple's looking like being they're going to be the leading leading bidder of this around and the the price is going to be around 3 billion dollars a year that's what it's looking like so quite a bit of scratch Apple's the leading candidate, followed by also, well, not followed by directly, but also in the in the conversation is uh, Amazon and Disney. So, again, big money. The big boys are coming out to play. And I just don't see how, yeah, no other companies can be able to keep up with it as far as, uh, you know, a cable company. And so... Three billion a year just to have the Sunday NFL ticket. And that's not going to give you that. By the way, if you have a Sunday ticket, you still don't get the Thursday night game or the Monday night game. And I don't know if you get the Sunday night game. Those are all national broadcasts. So it's three games a week you still don't get on Sunday ticket. You'll have to have another provider for, whether it be Apple. I think Amazon has the Thursday night game. And they might have, I think Amazon has Sunday night as well. So if Amazon, Amazon could, I don't think Disney's going to get it. It also doesn't make sense for Disney to get it because, like, who's going to buy a Sunday NFL ticket on Disney Plus and make, oh, cool, they also have Moana? Like, no one's going to do that. But on Amazon, they'll be like, oh, cool, they have all these other originals, all these other shows. Same with Apple. It's like, oh, they have Ted Lasso, at least a major sports show that keeps winning awards. It's somewhat related to the NFL, right? It's a sports show. So, and if Apple wins this bid, or Amazon, either one, I think Apple will win it. And if they do, they should, I don't know if they'll do this, but they should offer it for free on their service for the first year. Like it comes with every game. Like how amazing would that be for five bucks a month or five ninety nine, whatever it is. I, I don't remember. I have it. I think it's five bucks. Um, how amazing would that be? If they set it free for the first year and then after that, they're like, all right, now we'll start charging people for it because they could, they, that'd be amazing. It'd be good business for them. And 3 billion is nothing to Apple a year. They could have plenty of cash. They can do this. And so, not a bad move. And same with Amazon. Amazon can afford it. Disney could too. It just doesn't make sense for them, I feel. And and it's just, it got like, whatever. But if Apple does this, they should put it for free for that first year or Amazon, either one, and then just load up so much content, right? Like Apple, if they know they're going to win this bid, they should have like so many original shows ready to go so that while people are buying Apple TV to get Sunday ticket, they can then get addicted or hooked on the shows that you're going to put on there. So they can be like, oh, sweet, season's done, but I'm going to keep my Apple TV because I love all these. I love Ted Lasso and all these other shows. And I know Ted Lasso is the only good show on Apple TV right now. There's other ones too, but let's be real. The only one anyone knows is Ted Lasso. Yeah, I know there's that morning news, whatever show with Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, there's the one with the guys from It's Always Sunny. I get that, but let's be real. It's Ted Lasso. It's Ted Lasso and a bunch of other horseshit no one cares about. So they win this. That could be the fast track to making Apple the leader of streaming, which I've said was going to happen for at least a year now. 
I think the episodes are deleted, but on the High T podcast I did, I talked about this too briefly, how Apple would eventually be the leader of streaming. It's going to take time, but they'll get there. And it's kind of making me, this current recession is kind of really showing the weakness of Netflix. I hate to say it because I was a big Netflix fan for a long time. Never really owned, I haven't owned the stock. Cause like I said, time and time again, I, I lost money on a while ago and like an ex-girlfriend didn't want to go back to it. And so I haven't, but I've always been a fan of the stock, kind of envious of people that, that did still keep it and ride it up to the big gains. And now that's well below that. Obviously I sold my Netflix years ago at 271, which now looking at it is a deal. <laughs> um, Cause I think Netflix, you know, kind of going against what I've said previously, there'll be a profitable company, but as far as the stock rocketing back up to 700, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the companies that have other ways to make money with streaming, not just in a, that, that can do other things, not just streaming are going to benefit heavily. Like even Disney has like their parks and merchandise they can sell. Like Netflix doesn't have any merchandise or a park. They should do that though. Netflix should open up their own theme park like Disney. How dope would that be? A Stranger Things ride? A House of Cards ride? Maybe not that one. <laughs> but hey, that'd be fun. You know, an Ozarks ride? You get to be a drug dealer in the, in the in the Ozarks? That was my last week on vacation. I could have just went to a theme park. That'd be cool. You know, make little Marty Bird action figures. <laughs> like how, you know, Disney makes all sorts of toys for all their bullshit. But hey. And by the way, that $3 billion a year with the NFL, $3 billion a year for Sunday ticket, that works out to like $58 million a game. <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. Wait, is that right? Is my math on that right? $58 million? I think it is. Yeah. That's insane. Yep. It's like 58 million and change. Like 50, between 58 and 59 million dollars per game. So if you think those beers are expensive, I mean, now you know why. And it's not just because I know that the stadiums aren't paying for the TV rights, but just to see how expensive everything in that world is, how much advertising or advertisers are paying and all that stuff just across the board for everything. So you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I mean, it's still a grift. Let's be real. Jerry Jones ain't hurting. But you're starting to, you can see why a little bit. Like when the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers got their deal. That was like a fucking multi-billion dollar deal. Just for Dodger baseball. So they had to stay on Time Warner, which now no one in LA can watch the Dodgers because no one has that shit. Because they all have Sunday ticket on DirecTV. You see, you see how this streaming shit is going to kill sports now, now that they have them where they want them. Um, let's see, moving on from that. And in addition to this, like, this is just like the streaming stuff with Apple that I like, that's going to be big, but you know, they got other shit in the works. I know the Oculus, not Oculus, but they're talking about working on a VR headset. So, you know, and Apple's always been like that. They've always found the product that people want the next cool thing, right? They're always the, the best at that. So I'm excited to see what that is. They haven't had a major product in a while. The iPhone's just been kind of killing it. They've been making that better and better, but they haven't had like a major product in a minute, right? So I think that'll be the, the goggles, the, the VR stuff coming up soon. And then the streaming shit. So, 
And hey, the two can go hand in hand. Watch Virtual Reality Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, other stuff in the portfolio. Square out hiring PayPal right now. Um, let me pull this up. I think I sc- screenshotted the actual number. Maybe not. I think I did. This is a... Uh, Wow, producer, my producer extraordinaire, which is me on my cell phone. Fucking shit. I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Square continue to hire at a solid pace while their competitors are slowing down. Square job postings are up 80 and 80, like 80, wait, Square job postings are up 80% year over year. A sharp contrast to Stripe, PayPal, and Shopify where job postings are down dramatically. So that's good. That's a good sign that Square is hiring aggressively. Um, And not to get ahead of ourselves here, but let's check Bitcoin. A little bit of relief coming to the crypto world. Not a lot, but a little bit. I'm sure it'll be crushed by Monday when this episode, or, you know, when markets open. But Bitcoin hovering back over 20,000, almost to 22,000. Ethereum 13, getting up to 1,400. So starting to see a little bit of life again with the cryptos. Again, still not worth, uh, I'm still going to buy these shit altcoins, but nice to see Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of showing some a little resistance. I mean, took them long enough. Shit only lost 80%, so why not? Uh, what the hell? Okay. All right. What else? I think that's pretty much it. I think that's all we got for this week. I don't want to, uh, let's see. Oh, Jim Cramer is opening the bell on Monday. Is that true? Let's double check that. Opening bell Monday. It's taking too long to look up. Oh, the bell calendar. I don't know you could find this. Oh, yep. The New York Stock CNBC rings the opening bell. When? July 18th. Yep. So the opening bell, New York Stock Exchange welcomes executives and guests of CNBC in celebration of Mad Money's move to the New York Stock Exchange. To honor the occasion, Jim Cramer, host of Mad Money, will ring the opening bell. So it is true. Confirmed. From the New York Stock Exchange website itself. Jim Cramer will be opening the bell on Monday. So hey, Get those put contracts loaded into your watch list, baby. Massive puts all week. Let's go. I mean, could it be anything else? I don't know. We'll see. Let's find out. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday if you're listening to this on the day it came out. Or we already did find out. And the markets are moving like crazy as they are as always. So be safe out there and we'll see you next week.